Hello, and welcome to Dialogue in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to Dialogues in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Jules Zupoff. I'm an assistant professor at the University of Pennsylvania. And it's my pleasure today to have two wonderful guests, Dr. Sylvia Parra and Dr. Don Davis, who will be speaking with us about comorbidities in psoriasis. They have a wonderful webinar now available through the AAD on this very topic. Also summarizing a paper in the JAD on this important issue of comorbidities as well. Dr. Parra, Dr. Davis, welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. So as a practicing dermatologist myself, I know uh, thinking more and more about comorbidities in psoriasis is important. Certainly one of my colleagues is Dr. Joel Gelfand, who's very critical to that work. So I'm very aware of that. But I know with your all work, you're finding that we're learning more and more about comorbidities and more that we could be doing and that are not recognizing enough. So uh, let me start with you, uh, Dr. Davis. What do you think the most important psoriasis comorbidities are that we're under-recognizing these days? Yeah, thanks, Jules. That's really important. I think that dermatologists as a whole are very aware that psoriasis is more than skin deep, if you will. And we tend to remember the common comorbidities that we've known about for a long time, such as psoriatic arthritis and uveitis. But we're learning more and more about comorbidities that exist. Obesity is probably the one that we think of the most, as well as metabolic syndrome. But I want everyone to be aware that we're now appreciating that there are other comorbidities that we didn't think of very commonly. And this includes renal disease, sleep apnea, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I think we forget about those. Why do you think we might forget about them? And what is, what is the cost of forgetting? Well, in fairness to us as a dermatologic community, I think we don't think of them very often because the literature was lacking and lagging on these conditions. So I think it took a while for the medical community to recognize psoriasis as beyond the skin to the joints. And then the first comorbidities I think we recognized, which we have the most literature on was obesity and metabolic disease. And then from that, we started learning more and more. And it was kind of a snowball effect where we kept looking at, well, psoriasis is more common. There are lots of uh, chronic health diseases that are more common. And luckily, thanks to Dr. Gelfand and other colleagues that we have, good robust research was done where we discovered new things we hadn't learned before. So part of it is that ongoing research in the dermatology community, which I congratulate our peers on, and I thank them very much. Great. So Dr. Parra, I want to bring you in here on this because I know that you have a focus on addressing gaps in care and complying with quality measures while addressing these gaps. How can we be best addressing these gaps and recognizing comorbidities? Thanks very much. Well, one of the most important things that I think is to look at your practice as a group or as an individual and identify an area that you either feel like you are not doing well or, or an area that you're interested in learning more about. And so when we talk about some of these comorbidities, I think we learn about them and it brings our attention to certain things that perhaps we hadn't thought much about. It, it's clear that we have not been great about screening our 
psoriasis patients for diabetes, hypertension, obesity, and maybe we aren't counseling as much on lifestyle. And so if you identify one of those things that you're interested in, um, say you have, uh, you live in a part of the country where obesity is a big problem and that's something that you'd like to work on with your patients, then you can start collecting data on that. And, and one thing that you could use that would comply with CMS MITS uh, quality measures is a quality measure that encourages us to look at body mass index for our patients, screen them, and provide some simple follow-up planning. And so that's an area where you can both comply with quality measures and improve your practice and hopefully help your patients with psoriasis in addressing one of their important comorbidities. Great. So I know one of the comorbidities that maybe we weren't recognizing enough are things like uh, metabolic syndrome with obesity, hypertension, diabetes. How can we be screening more? What should we be doing to address that? Well, I think many of us are challenged by just the time that we have with our patients. And so I think it's important not necessarily to try to tackle everything at once, but look at something that is important to you or that you are interested in. And so simply checking your patient's blood pressure when they come in or having your staff check their blood pressure is something that you can easily do. If you feel like you're doing that already and your practice is pretty good at that, you can look at smoking cessation and that can be a simple question and offering some counseling uh, to try to encourage your patients to quit smoking. So I think what's important is to identify a specific area that you'd like to improve on, look at that quality measure in MIPS and start collecting that data. You won't know how, how you're doing until you collect data. And it's something that once you start collecting data, reviewing it quarterly with your staff and trying to come up with ways just to help your staff remember or help you remember, there can be a lot of process improvement that goes on in the office where you can incorporate it into your EHR. You can do it as part of your patient's check-in. Everyone's practice flow is a little bit different, but I think it's key to identify to start collecting data, to report it through MIPS, and then to follow up and see how you're doing and try to come up with ways systematically that your practice can improve. And I think that's good advice, like to really get some good buy-in in your practice, find out what you're interested in and, and see what works. Dr. Davis, when we were, were talking before, you mentioned how there are, there are certain comorbidities that we think about less. For instance, we often talk about psoriatic arthritis, but we may forget that uveitis uh, is also something that can be associated. And there may be other things like renal and fatty liver disease that we give uh, not enough attention to. What are the, I don't want to say new hot comorbidities, but what are the comorbidities that we are just starting to recognize that should get more attention? Yeah, absolutely. So I believe looking for comorbidities not only teaches the patient about the disease that they have, but it also empowers them to do something about their disease beyond their skin. And so I think patient empowerment is really important and it helps with compliance. With regards to the rheumatologic manifestations, we all think of psoriatic arthritis very commonly, but we forget that uveitis can occur. And I just want to remind everyone that uveitis can occur independent of psoriatic arthritis. So if someone has ocular symptoms, please work with their ophthalmologist to assess her uveitis. I think that's very important. And that HLA-B27, arthritis should be considered if a patient has psoriasiform skin lesions and uveitis. So you may have a different type of arthritis and not necessarily classic psoriatic arthritis. With regards to renal disease, you know, 
a lot of the kidney involvement could be due to the other comorbidities that the patient has, like the hypertension or the atherosclerosis with the metabolic disease. But you can also have just primary kidney disease that is linked to psoriasis, including glomerulonephritis and end-stage renal disease. And while the risk of this is independent of NSAID use by our psoriasis patients, when our psoriasis patients take NSAIDs, then it can make their kidney risk go up. And of course, we have to be mindful that as dermatologists, sometimes the systemic medicines that we prescribe for such patients can impair renal function. So we want to make sure that we are attentive to whether our patient has renal disease, and if so, adjust our systemic medication for their psoriasis accordingly. Great. I think that that's very, all very important to, uh, to highlight, recognizing kidney disease, uveitis especially. One thing that you didn't mention there was considering mental health comorbidities. And I know, Dr. Para, uh, when we talked before, you were talking about the importance of recognizing mental health and an AAD measure of quality of life. I believe it's called Measure 8. Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So in the um, comorbidities uh, guidelines, it's definitely also clear that we have not been great about recognizing associations being, between psoriasis and mental health, as well as talking to patients about it. And I think, again, in a busy dermatology practice, you may not feel like you have an opportunity to get into mental health. And I think outside of dermatologists who also specialize in psychiatry, this can seem a bit overwhelming. But one way that you could potentially look into it is by introducing a quality of life measure in, into your practice workflow. And so there is a quality measure that the AAD developed, quality measure number eight, that looks at patient reported quality of life in chronic skin conditions. And so this actually involves a number of different chronic skin conditions, psoriasis being one of the more common, but also is something that can be utilized in patients with a variety of other chronic skin conditions like dermatitis, uh, hydradenitis, uh, acne, rosacea, as well as a few more. And so if quality of life or is something you're interested in and looking at at your patient, this is something that you might be able to incorporate into your patient workflow. Some practices may incorporate this, again, as the patient checks in or even online prior to checking in. They may have their staff query the patient. It's really nice because it has a template that is a three-question quality of life tool that has been validated. And so it can be a pretty quick and simple way to assess your patient's quality of life. And again, you start collecting this data, you look at your practice workflow, see if you're getting the information that you need, and then see how your patients are doing from a quality of life standpoint. And so it's one that is um, recently introduced into our quality measure options, and one that I want to make sure that people are aware of, because I think it can be very valuable to your practice. Great. Well, th thank you for telling us more about that measure. Certainly important beyond just psoriasis, but any uh, chronic skin condition. So I really enjoyed talking to both of you so far. I just want to ask you both one at a time if you have any last take-home points or messages you wanted to share about your wonderful webinar that I want everyone to check out. Dr. Davis, any last thoughts? Yeah. Firstly, thank you for this opportunity and to the listeners. A couple of closing thoughts. While we're all being mindful right now to comorbidities that are present in adults with psoriasis, I want everyone to be aware that pediatric psoriasis also comes with comorbidities, some of which aligns with our adult counterparts and some of which does not. 
The other things we paid attention to with regards to the psoriasis guidelines was that patient education was very vital to their empowerment, to their treatment course, to compliance, and to their improved outcomes and quality of life. And last but not least, we have tremendous areas of research ahead of us as a dermatologic community to help our patients with psoriasis even more, to understand genotype-phenotype correlations, to understand if there's any preventative measures that we can do in childhood or perhaps in utero or with families who are severely affected. We also need to look at diverse populations because a lot of the literature is limited to Caucasians and not to people of skin of color uh, communities. And then we really need to tackle obesity as a topic so that we can help not only our psoriasis patients, but other patients that have systemic diseases and skin conditions that are linked to obesity as well. Thank you. That was a great summation and important points to consider, especially thinking about kids and diverse populations and studying uh, not just psoriasis, but everything in dermatology and uh, an area of research uh, dear to my heart. And Dr. Para, any last thoughts or take-home messages you would like to share? I just wanted to make sure everyone is aware that there is a AAD measure that looks at psoriatic arthritis and whether we're screening for psoriatic arthritis. This is something that I'm currently working on in my practice. I know that is important. I know all of us are familiar with the association between inflammatory arthritis and psoriasis, but I've always been a little uncomfortable with my joint exam and whether or not I was identifying patients with inflammatory arthritis. And so the measure looks at, just asks you to screen for your patients for arthritis type symptoms, and it gives you a variety of options, including validated tools if you want to be more detailed and as well as looking at just some simple questions that you can ask about morning stiffness, swelling, redness of the joints. And so I think if this is an area that you're aware of, but that you aren't consistently asking your patients about, it's a really important one. And by implementing one of these measures, you can really start to collect data and really move your practice forward in making sure that your psoriasis patients uh, have their joints addressed. I also want to mention that the AAD has a wealth of resources for quality improvement and MIPS reporting. I will sometimes field questions from colleagues and past residency um, classmates about reporting for MIPS. And there's a lot of information that is easily accessible on the AAD website. And there are individuals that can walk you through a variety of things. So if you have questions about it, the AAD is available to help. Great. I think you've both given our listeners an excellent taste of what the webinar is like. And I, I hope we encourage everyone to check it out. I certainly will be telling all of my best dermatology friends to check out the newest and comorbidities. So thank you very much, Dr. Don Davis and Dr. Sylvia Para for both your time and your excellent knowledge and sharing that with us. And thanks again for joining us on Dialogues in Dermatology. Thank you, Dr. Lebop. It's my pleasure. My pleasure as well. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.